Welcome to Rutten Radio. Rutten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers, Father Paul Rutten, Pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in Watertown, Father John Rutten, Pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, and Joe Rutten, Professor and Director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, Sioux Falls! Welcome to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio Live. I'm your host, Joe Rutten. And I'm joined, as always, by my lovely, wonderful, and always entertaining brothers, Father John and Father Paul. How we doing, fellas? Uh, it's and beyond. Oh, oh, the world exists Sioux beyond and Sioux Falls. Beyond. Beyond Am I Sioux one Falls? of those people? Yes, you are yeah. one of those people. Just so you yep. Anyway, oh. doing you, well. Yep, I'm doing well, too. <laughs> and uh, I just have to let everybody know before uh, we start the show that when I was a layman, I uh, was one time called Dapper. Oh, really? And I wasn't wow. quite sure what that meant, but I knew somehow Uncle Jim was Dapper. And oh, so yeah. I was like, oh, that's a compliment. If Uncle Jim's dapper and I'm dapper, great. Uh, and I'll just have everybody know that uh, my brother Joe Rutten, you can only hear with great exhilaration. But if you could see him today, he is dapper. dapper. Wow. Thanks, You're, fellas. I feel your like wife a million dollars. Well, no. Oh, okay. I dress <laughs> myself. All right, just checking. I and did. I will say, I appreciate the compliment. I do need assistance in in this category. I love looking good. I'm in the philosophy of uh, dress, look good, feel good, play good from athletics, right? You know, yeah. you look good, yeah. and I believe that's life, right? That you know, you look good. So uh, I've had a, a sport coat for years that I've not worn because I haven't broadened out my color uh, spectrum, my pattern. So I got into some browns and I finally pulled out a new it's coat that I've actually not ever used that's not new. So thank you for the compliment, but we've got big things to talk about Amen. today. So enough about us. We're going to jump right up on in to the faith and culture segment in the first half hour of the show as we talk about our movie review. And I'm telling you, folks, do we have something or what for you? <laughs> if you haven't watched it, all right? So a little disclaimer, if you haven't watched it, a little parental warning, don't worry, it's PG-13, but it's a horror, scary, I don't know, is it really a horror film? It's, it's not a, horror. No, but it's just scary. scary. So the quiet place, right? It's the quiet place. So we'll talk a little bit about the quiet place, thoughts, reflections, themes that come out of this uh, interesting, interesting film that was, I believe, recommended to us by uh, the one and only Tim Stanek. Absolutely. Uh, so if you got other recommendations out there, if our listeners are listening, like, hey, you should check this movie out, send them on in to us and they can reach Actually, us, Father John. That would be great. Yeah, uh, they can reach us on Facebook at Rutten Radio would be a great place, or they can send an email to one of us. Uh, you're at Mount Marty. I'm at uh, St. John Paul II Harrisburg. You're at Immaculate Conception Watertown. You can find you can track us down somewhere. Facebook Rutten Radio. That's the easiest way. And then if you don't have the Real Presence app, get it on your phone. You can follow all of our old podcasts that are mixed right in. Right in with other legends like <laughs> Father Schmitz and yep. Father Barron. Bishop Barron is the Rutten Radio podcast. So, wonderful. Well, let's jump right on in. Uh, a Quiet Place. Uh, maybe, Father Paul, you want to kind of kick this thing off and give us a little context to the movie? Sure. The uh, 
The movie is a post-apocalyptic world. A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing, which the premise is a little, you know, kind of odd. Uh, but I suppose you got to come up with new ones here and there. <laughs> yeah, the Predator's uh, been done twice already. And, and one of the things that I kind of felt when watching the movies, they didn't really, they just jumped right in. Like they didn't tell, they, you didn't get to see them come from somewhere. You didn't get to see a perfect world. All of a sudden these monsters show up. Mm-hmm. You just are, you actually are in the store and everyone's <laughs> quiet and they're, they're just kind of walking Now around. everyone's quiet. We're talking, it's, it's like a family, right? Yep. So there's a mom, a dad couple of kids there's three children yep so there's two boys and a girl and they're like uh, in an old warehouse or something no they're just in like an old convenience store yeah yeah looking yeah. for when stuff. it opens yep right look uh looking for different things and whatnot in the midst of it all um and so then you just follow them through the whole movie and basically the premise is anytime the people make noise uh alien creatures come flying into the scene and swoop up <laughs> and eat and eat uh whoever is present or whatever or whatever so yeah. you know animals raccoons yeah that's right a raccoon yeah. gets yep. uh so lambasted any, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah it was you know i saw a couple of reviews that people said oh this is the dumbest movie i've ever seen and and i think part of that is because we don't know how to watch a movie like we don't know how to, I think at times to just sort of step back and let the movie just be, and we have all these preconceived notions as to how a movie's supposed to go and all those kinds of things. Um, so, but I found that there were a lot of different themes that ran through it uh, in the midst of it all. What I also liked were there were characters that drove me crazy that I didn't like, and you know the characters I liked, and you know so there was a variety of aspects to it all as well. Um, so there, there. Outside of the quality or the whether you like a horror film or this or that, I, that was my first thing to get over is I had struggled with horror films. I think I've been scarred by Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And yeah. so I just always like, I still am like, hey, you know, I don't like scary movies. Um, so outside of that, it's an interesting scary movie because it's called, in, uh, you know, it's quiet. It's about a quiet place. So it's silence. So not only is it scary, but it's there's no talking. Right. <laughs> like, so so there's themes to this movie. Maybe one at the base is there's something about silence and, and quiet and noise maybe. Uh, but, but jump into some of the themes that you guys have extracted as you watched it or thoughts that you have on it. Well, I don't know about themes. I'll throw out my thoughts, Paul. You might have some themes. But sure. I was um, – I recognized that when you have to use a particular sense – that it actually causes you to pay more attention. And in our world of distraction, mm-hmm. uh, because we're so sensated, it was fascinating to me that I had to pay so much attention. I couldn't be on my phone while I was watching the movie. Right. So I'm like trying to text some things, and then I miss something, and then yep. I miss something, oh, yeah, and I'm right. like, oh, I got to just put all this down, or I'm going to miss yep. something. And I, I began to realize like the fact there was no sound, which you would think was a deficit, caused me to have to use my sight in a deeper way. Right. And then it actually caused me to look at things more deeply. And I think in our culture today, that's the dynamic we're in sure. is uh, everything is so b- loud. Um, but this this is the, the thing that I noticed in it is 
in a way, suffering or loss or death or, you know, yeah. a deficiency in reality actually can be the instrument for us to, to pay more attention to reality. So when someone is an athlete and they are injured, yeah. that actually helps them pay more attention to reality. Um, if, if uh, well, I think about 9-11, you know, we just last month we celebrated anniversary, like a great horror, yeah. but it actually made us pay more attention to reality than we do now when we look at it just as an anniversary. So that's what I noticed in it sure. was I I paid more attention to the movie than I have to a lot of movies yeah. because I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, so you had to watch. Right. You literally had to watch the movie. So uh, building off of that, and then I'd like to jump into some of Paul's themes. Uh, at Mount Marty in our class, I, I went to the St. Anselm in, it's a Benedictine oh, college yeah. that actually runs political debates at the beginning of the presidential season every year. Oh, this yeah, little yeah. teeny Benedictine yeah. college in New Hampshire has the Democratic and Republican debates to start the whole thing. So this little teeny college, we went out there and visited and the monks out there do this thing called the Ostatio. And Stazio is the beginning of their prayer. It's when they're lined up two by two in the hallway outside of the church. Okay. So they might stand in Stazio for like five minutes in silence. And it's an opportunity for them to focus and kind of calibrate themselves sure. to the prayer that awaits them. And and what I realized, so we started doing this with the students, that we start class with Stazio. Hmm. Ah. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear the tick-tock of the clock. And you hear a student talking in the hallway. And you hear the vibration of a phone on a desktop in the back. And it just made me realize, like, we are missing so much in reality because of all of the noise. Sure. And that idea that the senses are heightened when we kind of intentionally focus or concentrate on what... Just like the, the people become very intentional about movement, yeah. about what they're doing, where they're going, why they're going there. Like, I just thought there just is much more purpose in the movement of the people in this film than I give to any part of my day. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought maybe there needs to be an, a deeper awareness that I can take personally about how I move through my day and all of the noise I make. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah well, you know, and even the church uh, encourages some silence in the liturgy. You know, and it is one of those things where uh, when you're intentional about it and you know what it's for, you really do, you know, there's almost uh, like after communion, you like we'll be sitting there and you can almost feel like the unease with it. And then like, there's almost like this calm that comes over the whole place. Like when they finally just resolve to, we're just going to be quiet for a moment. Uh, you know, but then you hear a kid squeak and, you know, this noise. And Are you um, guys intentional about that at the altar? Are there periods where you're intentionally like, uh, or is there a tendency within you just to rush right on to the next thing in the mass or like? There can be, you know, both. so I think it kind of depends, you know, sometimes it just seems like we've got time to, you know, just be quiet for a moment. In, in my experience, something, I catch something. You know, it just happens. It's like you hear the tick-tock or whatever, and then all of a sudden, if I just say yes to that, mm-hmm. it sort of expands. Uh, and you can't really plan it. Sometimes maybe it's happening during the Eucharistic prayer or sometimes maybe at the elevation or sometimes just sitting down mm-hmm. and like a silence just happens and you're like, 
whoa, what? you're here. Yeah. You're here. And once you say you're here, the acknowledgement of Christ's presence, it's like, uh, if mm-hmm. I stand up right now, I'm betraying the greatest gift we've received. Yeah. And it's not just the reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. Like the greatest gift we've received is the awareness that you are here. And I try and be obedient to those moments and not try and force them either. I don't try to like, I mean, we have some silent stuff, but not like if we're really quiet right now, Jesus will met everybody's heart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so that's my experience. Themes coming out of the movie, uh, Father Paul, we had kind of talked, or I see here a little bit, that you really kind of hit on some really good themes that came out of it. And I'm telling you, it was a challenge for me. Typically, I can watch a movie and extract themes and thought, (laughs) I hate scary movies. The whole time, all I keep waiting for is a stupid little creature come crazy. I don't even know what they are at the beginning. I'm like, what was that? I'm watching it on my phone. So I don't even have, I'm on my phone with it. I'm like, your, your point about not being able to do things while you watch this movie completely. I want to do a few things, get a few things done, get the movie watched. Like I'm checking a box and I keep looking back. Keep I can't. And so here I am, I'm fixated on the thing and I can't think about anything else other than when's the creature going to come. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like scary. I had to turn my head away. So but there, there are some deep themes that yeah. really are present within it. Um, I think two things that, that stood out right from the beginning was there's the scene where the little boy finds this uh, space shuttle toy mm. uh, and it almost, he knocks it and then it almost hits the ground. The girl catches it and, uh, then the dad takes it away from him and takes out the batteries mm-hmm. and then sets it on the counter. And the little boy's older sister grabs the shuttle and gives it to him as they're all walking out the door. And so the little boy gets the shuttle back from the, the sister and then he reaches up and grabs the batteries. Mm. Uh, and it was for me, one of the things I, I realized is sometimes we don't like when somebody didn't get what they wanted and we think the best thing to do is to give it to them Mm. without realizing why they didn't get it. So the teenage girl kind of, she's a teenage girl. So she's like, well, I'm just, dad's dumb. I'm just going to give the kid the toy he wants. The other aspect though was the batteries. And in that I saw this idea of temptation and sin. Like had he left the batteries, there wouldn't have been the possibility of, it turning on, uh, but he brought them <laughs> with him. Uh, and so too, how often in our life do we put ourselves in situations mm. where there is the possibility of falling into sin? Mm. And if we would have just not brought it, you know, we would have avoided that, that whole thing. Uh, and in the movie, again, uh, spoiler alerts for all of this, the boy is killed by a creature because he turns on the shuttle. Big spoiler alert. <laughs> right. Big well, spoiler but, alert. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. I mean, that happens right, right in the beginning. Right. So and, yeah. and so this this whole thing, the dad tried to prevent. Yep. Uh, the girl, you know, provided the shuttle uh, and the boy took the batteries. Whose fault? You know, uh, who's to blame? All of these things. And no uh, matter what the answer to the question is, the boy's dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Really dead, <laughs> like really dead. And the dad mm-hmm. couldn't get back fast enough. Um, and in that also was this challenge that I think we face is how do you convince somebody that something's not good? 
without them experiencing it? Mm, that is a great question. And this is across the board, right? You tell kids, don't touch that. It's hot. Don't touch this. It's hot. Mm-hmm. But inevitably, they have to touch it. Because yeah. they can't believe it's really hot. And then they're like, oh my gosh, that was hot. Yep, that's hot. Uh, and so I do think that you could see throughout the whole movie this real challenge. Will I just trust that what you just told me really is true? Or do I have to verify it? Um, and at what point will I just stop having to verify and and to trust? And I think that yeah. as annoying as the girl was, she played that role constantly through the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. She was constantly the the I don't know, protagonist, whatever you'd call mm-hmm. her. Um, and I could see myself in her too. And I think that's why she drove me crazy was <laughs> like, you don't want to be that person. Right. But there are those realities. And I kept finding with, with that, I found it hard to give her another chance. Oh, like she, like every time I assumed she was going to do the wrong thing then yep. after she picked up those batteries. Yeah. Uh, or after she gave, gave him the, the yeah. space shuttle. Um, and I kept finding myself like, but the same person who needed verification, who is such a problem, actually became the one who was looking at things in a way that she became an instrument. Right. What's verif- verification? Uh, to to, she to needed test verif- it, you know, test she it. needed gotcha. to put her yeah. hand on the hot yeah. stove. So yeah. verify, test, test, yeah. touch. Yeah. Like yeah. She, had, she had to experience it. It's interesting that you talk about this experiencing reality. Um, there's a, a conversation in higher education or just in, in, in education generally with young people today. And that young people today are no longer like previous generations. Certainly um, the baby boomers and their parents where they would accept truths or realities, what is good, based upon the authority of the oh, one sure. giving it to them. That's not the case with young people today. Young people, they want experience. They have to experience the good or the bad in order for them to internalize it and accept it as their own mm-hmm. reality. And I think that's a very interesting thing when we look at the church. Yeah. Yeah. When we look at where the world, the culture's at today, right. um, there's a lot there that that, you know, verifying it, right? Well, young people today, for all I want to pontificate and tell them what is good and true. And the reality you gotta, is, you got to write this down. We got to talk about this in like a whole show. What you're talking about right now. Well, the best part is, is it's recorded. You can yeah. listen to it on because, the Rutten Radio podcast, anywhere because, you want. No, because it comes down to authority. When right. you were talking, I was mm-hmm. saying it's authority. The reason they no longer trust is because we have betrayed them. Right. We aren't giving them, we're giving them ideology, either liberal or conservative, yeah. left or right. We're giving them ideology. We aren't giving them uh, anything helpful to their life. And we fight back and forth about what we're giving them, whether we're right or wrong. We want people on our side. And in the end, the test is, does anybody care when they're free to tell us? Last night, or not last night, what was it, a week ago or whatever, this theology, you know, anyway, we're on a whole nother topic. Uh, go back to A Quiet Place. And oh, no, no, point. no. Yeah. I kind of liked where you're going, but that's I, all right. I, it's a whole show. Sure, It's sure. a whole yep. show. We yeah, got to yeah. like... Yeah. The other interesting like thing, though, is... Have is a real point. That's... She's deaf. The teenage girl is deaf. She's got this cochlear implant. She can't hear. What? And it's, oh, yeah. because She the, can't yeah, hear. You, so yep. she's the only one I who... I didn't know. So that's how they know <laughs> Which sign is why language. she has the... That's why they have all this. She can't <laughs> hear. So all of a sudden, now everyone is experiencing her world. 
And so that's why when she leaves, <laughs> when she leaves John, he wants her to take the implant. To, he want the dad wants her to put it on, and she doesn't want to put it on. But he knows she needs it in order to hear whether or not she's making noise. I was wondering and, why did the cochlear like you know because you have to have something yeah. in your head that's metal. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is cheap. Like they, they didn't tell how she got that thing to stick there. Like, oh my gosh, folks. <laughs> And then oh. that's the thing. Can I spoil yeah. it? That's it, the thing that saves them. I Well, I did. Right. I mean, I did catch that. Right. But I didn't catch that she was deaf. And, and therefore, that, like, changes and therefore a lot. has the cochlear, right. which becomes the instrument. Right. And then there, there, there's the whole issue of, you know, the things that her dad won't let her do. And, and he can never really explain it to her. Uh, and so, again, back to this challenge. Like, she wants to go downstairs in the basement and he won't let her for whatever reason. And I don't really know. Maybe to share from the horror of everything going around. I don't know. Um, but she, she thinks that it's because he doesn't love her. Mm-hmm. Or he's punishing her because uh, the brother's dead. Like her whole life is now wrapped around seeing everything through the one moment in which she made a mistake. And she can't seem to forgive herself or receive forgiveness from her dad. And so everything is now done that way and and think about growing up in families right you know again sometimes people think well, well my dad didn't love me mm-hmm. or my mom loved this person better and everything is is filtered through that yeah <laughs> and 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 so the the boy you know the boy is you know there's the scene where they're up on the water tower and the boy is trying to convince his sister that the dad's gonna come and she's like no no nope. won't mm-hmm. and he's like yes he will come you know, and he's trying to convince her that all of these things she thinks isn't true. He really does care. He really does love you. He has forgiven you. All of those things. But she's just can't, you know, can't believe that it's true. It's true. Right. Uh, and so to, to ask mm. ourselves this question, is there a false filter by which we enter into relationships? Mm-hmm. And and we can't seem to see that the filter's there or figure out how to remove that filter. There's a leadership coach, Molly Christensen, and she talks about saboteurs that there that we sabotage ourselves and that we have within our head, almost our mind, this voice that is kind of like that, right? It's the voice that says, my father doesn't love me. And it sabotages mm-hmm. everything else right. moving forward. You know, your mm-hmm. lens that she can't experience anything except it's through this particular lens. And then what does it take? It takes the redemption takes you know yeah and i I think then the question is posed to us what does break through right what is it that helps us what does break through like break through that in the movie well or sure in the movie and then maybe what can we extract from that or my larger my experience is that someone enters in such a way that i am reached but when i pay most attention to it it's god who comes through that event and it like breaks you free. Now the temptation is always to then like grasp that person or think it's yeah. that person or something. But if you pay close attention, like what broke through love, yeah, that gesture that he made to her, love in action, love in an action sure. on behalf, you know. And was, then the verification when she goes into the basement, and then she sees, ah, <laughs> she sees all of this. Oh. And realizes that he was doing all of this for her. 
I mean, spending countless hours, all of those, <laughs> you know, like, but it had to be a twofold process. Like she had to first witness her father sacrificing his life mm-hmm. for her. And then she sees the basement in a different way. This is the same theme as the, a movie we watched a few months ago. There's a, there's a same theme of this progressive um, unveiling or this progressive sure. insight. And I think, into, I think that's life. Right? Like, I don't really think there is always this one aha moment, but there's the moment that it breaks through. And then there's the question, will I verify it mm-hmm. and let it be verified? You know, and will I will I see it, you know, in, in a different way? And why she was receptive, you know, in, in that moment, you know, I, I don't know. But but she was maybe because a her brother told her and then she saw her father die. And then she saw, you know, like this reality, like sometimes it's going to take a, a compilation of things happening and then being able to make connect all those dots into the midst of it all. We've got a couple of minutes as we wrap up the uh, the first half hour here of Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio, our faith and culture series as we talk about the quiet place. Um, maybe just as we finish up, final thoughts on the nature of suffering. What's, what's the pre- what's what's the conversation? Maybe a, an insight that we can gain from the suffering that is experienced in the movie. Uh, the mother yep. gives birth. Yep. In the middle of all of this. She also steps on a nail. She also steps on a <laughs> nail. That's like the worst part of the movie. Uh, I had to turn away. That she created for herself. You know, so it, she snags on it and she bends up the nail. Uh, and I knew it. I'm like, somebody's going to step on that nail. Uh, and then she stepped on her own nail. So too, again, this idea that sometimes we create a situation that then causes us pain. And, and what do we do with that? Like, right. how do I accept that I did cause, you know, un, mm-hmm. you know, unintentionally, but I caused the, the painful situation. <laughs> yeah. I can't even <laughs> so, think about oh, it. Yeah. And what was even worse is when she pulls her foot up. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. She had to like, actually, yeah, add yeah it was bad. It was oh. bad. Uh, and remembering. And then Father Eckridge was great because Father Eckridge is like, she needs to get rid of the nail. Like, get rid of the nail. Like, get rid of the nail. <laughs> All movie long, yeah. I'm like, did she put the nail down? Did she put the nail down? Somebody's going to step on it. Somebody's going to step on the nail. The whole yeah. movie, I'm like. So, but again, well, how was she going to do that? She has to be quiet. Right. Right. She can't make any noise. But she could have put like a box over it or anyway. And she's got a well, baby. And I mean, like all these things are happening. But oh, yeah, that there's nail. so much oh. there. So but again, redemptive suffering. suffering, redemptive suffering, that ability uh, to be able to bring it together. Um, and I think at the heart of everything, yeah. we, we find Christ in the middle of it. And there's hope. There's hope. There's always hope in the midst of this experience. The father himself, though, um, his suffering is a little different. Yeah. And his suffering at the end is sacrificial, agape, Christ-like. So maybe, yeah. So maybe something we could also do in the future is talk about why can you say it's Christ-like? Nothing about that movie said Christ yeah. to me, so I think it's crazy that you might say it's Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that in the future. How do we see that? That's too? A and great secondly, uh, watching, I am stunned right now because watching this movie and thinking about it on my own has done nothing for what has happened now. Okay. Watching it and looking at it with you. I miss the most important thing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us for the first half hour of Rutten Radio here on Real Presence Radio. Don't go away. We'll be on a short break. We'll be back for another half hour. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. Big Rig Barbecue brings a Texas-style barbecue to South Dakota. They use a real wood smoker for all their meats every single day. Big Rig Barbecue serves sliced brisket, pulled pork, chicken, and ribs. They offer pre-orders for smaller events and gatherings and cater for large events, including parties, meetings, and graduations. Big Rig Barbecue's new sit-down location is on the corner of 41st and Minnesota. Their website, BigRigBBQ.net. Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota, invites you to a fruit-filled weekend with Our Mother, the Virgin Mary, October 12th through the 14th. The Marian Retreat, directed by Dr. Terry Kemmer, begins Friday evening and ends Sunday afternoon. At this retreat, you will journey with Mary through Scripture as you ponder her life and actions. To register for the retreat, call 605-263-1040 or register online at broom-tree.org. The Holy Catholic Church infallibly teaches that the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Most Blessed Sacrament, and that it is a sacrilege to receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin. Let us pray the Fatima Prayer to the Most Holy Trinity. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore Thee profoundly. I offer Thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby He is offended. And through the infinite merits of His most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of Thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio here as you're listening to Rutten Radio. You can follow us on traditional radio. You can follow us on your iPhone apps or uh, Facebook. You can communicate with us if you would like. And we're in our second half hour here. And we want to talk this month about uh, respect life issues. So October is Respect Life Month. And so we want to kind of kick it off and we'll say, all right, well, you know, this respect life deal, I guess. Maybe I'll just posit this. Well, why should we even care? <laughs> like, why respect anything? Why respect anybody? But we kind of have this special theme or this focus that we should says, all right, we should respect one another. Well, maybe theologically or like, where does this idea of us respecting people? People. I mean, we don't respect animals the same way that we respect each other. Like, why? Why is it that we respect each other in the way well, that we some do? Some people do. I mean, some people treat animals better than they treat people. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is true. Have you seen the Paws Pet Resort? <laughs> that is <laughs> true. <clears throat> right. So, but so, why in that context, maybe why would we propose in a Christian worldview that uh, we treat humans a little different? Because God became man. We're made in His image and likeness. God's one of us, lifts us up, we're made in his image and likeness. When we talk about us being created in the image and likeness of God, so does this, this makes us different than lions, per se? Or tigers? Or bears? Lions oh and tigers my. and bears, oh my. oh my! 
Yeah. I mean, I think at the heart of it all is this reality that life is life. And, and so there, there's something sacred to life. And, and what can happen, I think, is we equate life with anything that's alive as all equally hmm. dignified. And so someone will stand next to a tree so it doesn't get cut down because it's alive. Gotcha. Somebody will rescue a cat because it's alive. Somebody will rescue a baby because it's alive. And so there is inherently in us life. Mm. A life is good. Uh, and we know that plants, animals, and humans are alive. Uh, Thomas Aquinas tells us that as well. You know, there's the different uh, levels of souls that that anything alive has mm. to animate yep. itself in the midst of it all. The key is to discover why. Why should we treat life differently than things that aren't alive? Uh, what makes it special? What makes it unique in the, in the midst of all of that? And then again, back to the question, why are humans different? Mm. Uh, what makes us unique in the way in which we treat human life? Uh, and then it ultimately does come down to the reality that God made us an image and likeness. Mm. Uh, God breathed into us a spirit mm. different than the souls uh, that animate animals and, and plants and you know vegetation in the midst of all that. And the soul that we have is immortal. We will live forever. Uh, and so we want to be able to, to see that this, uh, what we do here has ramifications yeah, in, in the life to come as well. Wow. That's a brilliant little expose there. Father John. Sure. Yeah. I, I uh, think that's a great basis. And, and then the deeper reality we go into is that God's choice to enter human nature right. is like this incredible thing that every yeah. heart is really looking for. Um, we didn't know that, right. that he would do this or that he yeah. could, but really it's the Christian happenings 2000 years ago that this baby grew up to claim to be God. Right. That changes everything. So if he mm -hmm. became one of us, if he became the littlest of us, if God said, uh, behold, he didn't go around saying, don't kill the uh, beast to eat them. He didn't say, you know, don't uh, eat the jackrabbits. Uh, um, he looked at a Although person. Although we prefer jackrabbits be eaten. That's, yeah, no, uh, I mean, no, he didn't say <laughs> that. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. He didn't say that. So you can. As a coyote, as a USD grad, oh, I would I assume you. Yeah, that sure, you would yeah. prefer no. all jackrabbits. I totally uh, missed that one. So <laughs> he, did, he, came, he came down and he called us to something, which was to recognize that in the least of the human race, was actually the place you might find his face. Yeah. The, the, the poverty and so the beatitudes and the poor and the, the marginalized and the ones who are the greatest sinners, like he finds himself among them. And so there's something about humanity that God would choose to enter into and then point to and say, there's dignity here. You've fallen and you don't see it, but I'm here to show you the face of God. And that and, really changes. And so on one end, you have this pillar of being created in the Imago Dei, that scripture says it by saying we're, everything's created good and then it creates Adam and Eve and it says it's very good. Mm -hmm. Like there's a distinction in creation yep, absolutely. At, at human. All right, so we would look on that theologically today and we would say, well, that's because we're created in the Imago Dei, right? And, the and, and this means that we possess this inherent dignity about who we are that the rest of creation doesn't have. And then John, you over here on this other pillar seem to talk about the incarnation and how that, it, it, it maybe changes the essence of, the, of humanity, but it, it also brings an awareness 
of our dignity, mm-hmm. like Christ's presence. So on one pillar, Paul's dignity, Imago Dei, and on the other, John, the incarnation, bringing an awareness. And it just reminds me, like, before Christianity came along, we didn't treat each other the best. And even mm-hmm. afterward, we didn't treat each other the best. But the Christian proposal is really a unique proposal that gives us this concept that says, you know what? Y'all shouldn't be enslaving each other. Y'all shouldn't be killing each other. Human sacrifice in in cultures. When Christianity comes, human sacrifice stops. The Aztecs, for instance, you know. Uh, So so respecting life comes out of this dignity of how we're created, out of the incarnation that Christ becomes a part of us. And now within each other, we can see uh, a unique feature of Christ's presence in the other. And... So we've developed in the church this kind of philosophy or in theology of respecting specifically the dignity of humanity. Yeah, and really the idea of the person comes from Christianity. Right. You don't get outside of Christianity, you don't get the idea that there's a person that has this dignity. Um, it's it's that's just the case. Yep. Uh, and what often can happen is because we who within it or profess it are fallen or get far away from what we claim to be. Um, it can, we don't even, we don't see the person anymore. And that's always the temptation is that we think, Oh yeah, I got it all together. We're the ones who see the person we have dignity, but then we actually don't live that way. And so it becomes less and less apparent that Christianity is different, but Mm -hmm. it is. Enduring respect life month amongst Catholics, um, we're a diverse group of peoples, right? And so within the faith, in the fold of the faith, we might have priorities, even within the issues of life. Uh, oftentimes, there's a position of say, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing, there's this one issue about that seed, that if you kill this, if you cut off the seed, then like nothing else matters, you know? So, mm-hmm. so that idea that somehow one of the great issues of Respect Life Month is abortion, that we look and we say, you know, of dealing with the poor, dealing with the downtrodden, dealing with those that are in need, like we need to address those. But boy, there's this anchor issue, this root issue of abortion that we seem to really highlight oftentimes within the church. Um, is that a good way to look at life issues in your mind, that you have this anchor issue like abortion, or are they kind of just all on an equal playing field out there? They're not, I mean, they're not all on an equal playing field, but without life, you don't, you, don't, you need life first. <laughs> uh, and so if you, if you take life at the beginning, none of the other issues really do matter uh, in the midst of it all. So there is mm-hmm. this, this reality uh, that you're also talking about the most vulnerable and the most innocent of, of life. Like this child has done nothing to bring itself about. So the child is in existence because of other people's actions and God's. So uh, to say somehow this child now not wanted or not needed or or it shouldn't be uh, really is uh, a travesty. What I think, though, at times can be the challenge is getting back further within the, the people who've created the child. That that's probably where we we don't do justice in really working on, you know, the imago dei, the image of God in people, so that we we help 
people understand the dignity that they have and the dignity of creating life uh, so that if they happen to create life, they understand what they've just created. Uh, but we, we get to that moment where, you know, somebody has an unwanted pregnancy and they haven't been formed in a way that they understand their own dignity. They understand the love of God. They have a community that supports them. They have all of these other things around them to help them understand that this isn't the end of the world and the solution isn't necessarily what the world presents, but that God does have a plan in the midst of all of it. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah, I would say um, certainly abortion is the clearest sign that we have fallen in our understanding of the presence of God in our midst, that God chose to enter a human race. The fact, like, I don't care what kind of Christian you are, if you, like, don't understand the horror of abortion, you've, you don't see something very evident. Uh, and um, there is a degree then of other things that fall into place that are just as um, prob- problematic, or, you know, there's a degree of things. Um, I think where I've come with this, though, is we're a part of the pro-life generation, and we were children, and mom took us out of school to go to the abortion clinic uh, mm-hmm. and watch as Operation Rescue occurred, and people mm-hmm. were loaded, arrested, loaded on a bus for a block in the doors of an abortion clinic. Bishop Dudley was there among them. Um, <clears throat> and so I absolutely consider myself one of pro-life. I've been to the pro-life marches many, many, many times. What I've sort of come to in these days is to recognize, though, that that can become an ideology, and I can just have my mentality like set on pro-abortion politics in a way in which I forget that only Jesus Christ is going to save this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The real presence of God, that that it's not going to, you know, we're not going to be able to get political leaders. And now it's becoming more and more evident, I think. And even with the, pro, with the uh, Supreme Court nomination, uh, you know, and we're, we're all fighting for something. And I guess the deeper question, when I realize as a parish priest, all that's asked of us, okay, you take this one issue. We have kids committing suicide by record numbers. We have adults committing suicide mm-hmm. by record numbers. Uh, we have a failure of education in mo- modern culture. And we have a beautiful education system in Harrisburg, but we don't seem to be able to extrapolate that into the inner cities of Chicago. Uh, we There are so many things broken mm-hmm. that if my whole world is focused on this issue, I really fail to, to see that I'm powerless to figure this out. I don't have a solution to this. And I can raise my flag higher and higher and higher and higher and higher mm-hmm. of, of this issue, higher and higher, higher. But eventually I become tired. And I ask the question, like, is this what I'm to do as a Christian is keep raising the flag on this issue or on another issue of whatever spectrum? I need Jesus <laughs> to save me. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This morning I was reading this text and normally I wake up and I'm totally like crazy. And I was reading this and all of a sudden I started to think about like what God has done in my life. And I'm like, oh. And I got in the shower. I took a shower. I ate my breakfast. I gave some texts off. I got in the car and I'm like, we're going to Rutten Radio. And like everything changed. And it was the recognition like, God, you are here with me. Yeah. And I think when I get on an issue, I get like, oh. So, yep. yes, there's hierarchy. Yep. Yes, abortion is like at the top of it. But I think right behind all of it, uh, we have to realize God needs to come into this to save it. And how is that going to happen? I'm not sure. Right, because 
I mean, this issue has been around. I mean, we right. read it in scripture, you right. know, so the issues of life have been there. Abortion, slavery, capital punishment, all of these things have, have been around. And so again, I think it goes back to this reality that it is only Christ that will change me. Now we do work towards these laws. We right. do want Creating them. Just sure. society you know, and just but, but we need, we do need to, to change the person. We were, we were discussing this the other, the other day, uh, that slavery, you know, we solved slavery, how a war, but it didn't solve slavery because we needed one more law after another law, after another law, after another law. We needed laws to say that and blacks then and whites years later, they could come together. Couldn't. We needed laws to say blacks could go to school together. We needed right. laws that we didn't change the person. We didn't convince a person that a person of another color has dignity. We just simply created one more law after another. And this is, will be the challenge for us in the, the realm of abortion. Yes, we want to outlaw it, but we want to help change a heart. Mm-hmm. We want to create a culture so that if something happens and there is a child conceived, that they've got the ability to say, Jesus Christ is present to me. You know, and that's why the movie I thought that did that really well was the movie Bella. That, oh, yeah. that talked about the pro-life issue in a way that was definitely different. Because it is hard. Because here's the other thing. I think we've got the other side, you know, of capital punishment. You know, South Dakota is a, about to take someone's life in the penitentiary. You know, uh, wh- where are we on this? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard because we, we know the family of mm-hmm. the guard who died. Right. Like, it was somebody's dad, you know, like, and he's working to keep people safe and all of these things and all these issues. And, and, and the question is, where's is Christ in the midst of all of that? Right. Like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and it is challenging to me personally. Uh, we grew up as a pro-life generation, as you mentioned, John, and in, it's 40 days for life and you can sign up and you can go pray at the abortion clinic and, and, and that type of stuff. And, um, you know, I've never went up to the penitentiary and protested. Uh, I've never really reached out and been much on the anti-capital punishment. And that isn't to say like somehow I have to pick up all of the issues in order to balance, but just that idea that says um, I have to find where is Christ present to me personally right. in mm-hmm. these issues. Right. Yeah. And it's and not, all have it's not places. just locked mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Right. I can be locked in and have a, a sweet spot that right. the Lord's called me to yeah. where I find him present, but I do have to make sure that I'm open to the, to Christ's movement and his right. calling and his invitation. And I'll tell you this, this is kind of a, I mentioned this before somebody posted something on Facebook one time that was like an issue about poverty that typically if it would have come from a left leaning Christian, I would have seen it in an ideological way, but it came from a friend of mine that's very conservative. And typically I would, I would have seen him maybe on the right side, abortion, not on the lefty issues. And he posted it immediately. I thought I need to support this. How come I'm not doing this? And I like, my heart was like, but it was because of the person. I was like, yeah. I'm following the person and he's leaning to, he's telling yeah. me to be, care about this issue. So I'm caring about it and I'm not ideologued and I'm not blocked. But if Father James Martin would have told me to do it, I immediately would have shut down. I immediately would have been castigating. I mean, because of his issue on other issues that bothers me, mm-hmm. I yeah. wouldn't have listened to his voice on something else. Long story short, just that idea that says I have to be uncomfortable in front of these issues. We do have issues of priority and matter. We would say that, listen, right. abortion is about as awful as it can get and nothing else matters if you don't allow a person to exist. But certainly as faithful Christians and Catholics, there are a whole host of ways in which the Lord calls us to respect life today. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we brought this up in our men's group one day, you know, 
Christ reminds us that he was hungry and we fed him. He was thirsty. We gave him drink. He was imprisoned and you visited me. You know, again, this, this reality, but the average person doesn't sign up to go do prison ministry. Right. Uh, you know, uh, so, so it is this idea of not that we all have to go do it, but what is the segment of humanity that I struggle to find Christ in? Mm. And can I ask Christ, is there a way for me to be able to see you in those people? Uh, that's hard though. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. Yeah, and I think, and I think that. Well, wait, wait, wait. What's hard? I know. What's hard is that it makes me uncomfortable. Because all why? you have to challenge do is me to just ask. Because though. I'm selfish, and it's easy for me to be me and not have to right. think about like I have to be different or I've got the problem. Like I'd much rather be the, be the Israelites in the desert of, in Exodus, murmuring and complaining and whining and crying like everybody else is the problem. Well, and so it's hard to look inside, <laughs> and it's hard to make myself present to um, to the to the idea that Christ is continually calling me to grow. Okay. This right here, I think, gets closer to the heart of the issue, that the real question is, how does a person change? Right. Okay, I want the country to change its law in regard to abortion. I want us to see the human person in a deeper way. Uh, and, and then I have to say, well, how do I get a person to change? How do we get laws to change? Well, we get persons to change. How do we get persons to change? Uh, well, there's a couple possibilities, and we've tried a lot of that. We can get persons to change by getting them to obey rules. Yeah. We can get persons to change by teaching them about issues. The question that I've, those don't work. Yeah. We, I've like tried over and over again, and now like you just glossy eyes. I see time and again, when people meet the living presence of God, when people mm-hmm. discover that there's something happening in here and they open themselves to that and they realize I got to start following this, they change. I mean, I've seen just in the last few months, I've seen people go from like believing one thing to like totally believing different things and then like open to changing their belief about other things. Why? Because they recognize, oh, there's someone else here. Yeah. And when you realize there's someone else here, you're sort of set on a path that- And that someone else is- Jesus. And and this is the difficulty. How do I get that to happen? I have to witness to it, which means what? I have to be open to Jesus <laughs> changing me. Right. I have to be able to say, I was like this and now I'm like this. I have to be able to say, oh, I was so close. I just thought I knew everything and now yep. I don't. Like I've taken the journey on capital punishment. I was totally for capital punishment 20 years ago. Like didn't even occur to me. I knew that what the Catholic Church taught and I knew the little window and I busted that window open and made it a whole side of the house. You know, <laughs> like this is going to be just fine. <laughs> well, I took a journey. Why? Not because someone taught me more, yeah. but because I began to take a journey of myself and of humanity, and I began to see something and began to think, wow, I should close up this side of the house. Oh, I should just put a big window in here. That's the issue of cab point, just a big window. And then I'm like, well, I should shut this window a little bit. And all of a sudden, like the amount of space I give in my life to capital punishment is like a little bit of a crack yeah. in a window. Pope Francis seems to have shut that window. You know what? I'm not sure whether he should have or not, and I'm not really concerned. What I know is I used to think that it was like a hole in the house you could drive mm-hmm. a semi through, and today I'm sure that just a gnat could crawl in. Yeah. So now that helps me live in front of somebody else and witness to them what it is to have taken a journey, not because I thought it up or because I learned a law, but because the presence of God started working in me. Wow, this is uh, 
This is challenging. This is insightful. This is a beneficial conversation. I've taught for 15 years young people about life issues. Um, the general concept of, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And liberty and happiness don't matter if you don't have life. And mm-hmm. so first, you have to permit yeah. a person to exist and therefore the seed issue of abortion plus the 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 act itself is maybe the most awful act right and so in doing that you have this there's a the theological way there's an argument way that you can and, and and then we say all right well what i always would end by saying as i work with young people is but my brother paul once told me i'm not as as interested in Maybe I've been for 15 years telling them the wrong way here, Father Paul, so you'll have to correct me. But generally speaking, the conversation in the Rutten House a long time ago in the kitchen was something to the degree of your primary concern isn't the changing of the laws. It's the changing of people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I've been trying to coerce <laughs> everybody else sure. into thinking or believing in, in following and creating a just society through coercion um, as much as I've really cared about changing their hearts and that if you change their hearts, the laws will change because the hearts of the people have changed. Now, this doesn't mean I don't believe that we shouldn't have a presence politically in the creation of just society, sure, but it, sure, but sure, it sure. certainly yep. did. We are called to be there. It certainly did remind me that there is um, something there is individual souls and hearts and minds in the middle of all of this that we have to be addressing. And we don't just want to be the the clanging gong constantly ringing sure. yeah. that misses in that emptiness of the gong, right? That misses the heartbeat of the individual in the middle of these issues. And I also think to be able to, to be honest about where my heart's at, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and she said, Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we go back to the days when it was illegal to have stores open on Sunday uh, and I said, well, you don't have to shop on Sunday. Well, like, th- there's nothing making you shop on Sunday. What you're asking for is the, 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 op- the back to the movie again, the temptation to be taken away from me. I don't want to have even the option of shopping on Sunday because I can't not shop on Sunday. I got to pick the batteries up. Right. And so what we want is we want to go back to the days when all the stores were closed because it was illegal. Mm-hmm. No, don't go. Just don't go to the store. Well, I can't. Right. So what's going to change you? Jesus. Jesus. As Jesus. A- <laughs> so, so then you can freely and you can make the, the wise decision and say, okay, we really do need milk. I can go to the store. It's going to be okay. Uh, because I've got the capacity to know the difference. Then I go to the store because I have to, because I don't, I have no control, whatever it is in my life, you know, to be able to be honest and look at it and say, what area of my life am I looking for an external law to save me from myself (laughs) when only Jesus Christ will save me. But for that to happen, I have to first admit I need to be saved in this area. Well, as we wrap up this hour of Rutten Radio for October and Respect Life Month, let us pray for Respect Life for all peoples, uh, let us pray for a just society be created and overturning of abortion in our society, I think, is something that we all hope and pray for in respect for the dignity of every individual that is in front of us this day. 
as we finish up, I'm continually reminded that people want to hear from mother. And so in the future, we might have to bring back (laughs) mom. Know that that's on the template. I can't go anywhere without you asking. So thank God for having nine children, especially number eight. (laughs) So we'll finish with the prayer that me. What about six? (laughs) We will finish with the prayer that mother and father gave us. If you'll join us together. Our Our Father, we we thank thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Thank you for listening to Rutten Radio. We look forward to having you join us next month. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Paulson Monuments in Canton, South Dakota, uses professional equipment to craft thousands of designs for any memorial needed. They help in planning needs like who the memorial is for, where it's going, installation, and budget expectations. Paulson Monuments is located right off Highway 18 in Canton. Their website is paulsonmonuments.com. very delighted to hear that uh, we were going to have a feed. We've listened to a lot of public radio with Christian broadcast over many years. Now we have one right here that's attached to EWTN, and I believe that we're getting a lot of listeners out here, and we've had a few people, particularly our uh, priests, have been on the air. I've had a couple of spots. Uh, We've taken up uh, quite a collection at church and uh, tried to help people know that you're on the air, and we're very proud of that, and and we're doing what we can to support you. This is Judy Lebsack from St. John the Baptist in Trenton. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. At Avera, we have an option to fit your schedule any day or hour of the week so you can get back to life. 
preventative care appointments at your neighborhood clinic, walk-in visits at six Avera Now clinics inside Hyvee, three convenient locations for urgent care on evenings and weekends, or 24-7 emergency care. Don't want to leave the house? See a provider 24-7 for simple illnesses with the Avera Now app. Learn more at avera.org slash Sioux Falls Options.